another episode of Metal Rock and Whiskey. Let's get dirty, everybody. And baby, talk dirty to me. So, for the listeners that might be new to this show, we sometimes compare two albums from one artist against each other. We discuss, usually argue, and very professionally debate the merits, and in the end, only one album or artist reigns supreme. And guess what? We are not doing that tonight. We were on a streak there for a while, but we had to take a detour for a minute. And due to events that happened, we were kind of forced to. Concluded our two-part series of the Bad Boys, or I like to say the Shitheads of Rock, Motley Crue. And while a funny thing happened while we were preparing for the series, they released a movie. If you haven't heard yet, the movie is called The Dirt, based on the book that was written by the band, which is also called The Dirt. So, of course, we all wanted to watch it. And after watching it, we decided that we would be remiss if we didn't cover the movie. Well, actually, I think I strong-armed the guys into it. Mm-hmm. He kind of did a little bit, just a little, because we did want we did want to discuss yeah. this eventually. Kind of wanted to see it. Yeah. Um, so tonight, as Sailor said, we will do a rundown of the movie and give our thoughts and opinions on it, sort of like our own little version of Rotten Tomatoes, uh, or if you're old enough, Siskel and Ebert. Not Roger Ebert? <laughs> Not. Roger Ebert is one person. Yeah, Roger is his first name. <laughs> Gene Siskel and Roger Ebert. Even I'm old enough to remember them. Hey, uh, drugs are bad, kids. <laughs> But first, uh, and very regrettably, it is time to reveal how our Metal, Rock, and Madness tournament played out. Wait a minute, can we play Taps here for a second? I I need to hear Taps. So as we put this month to rest, the month of March, we unfortunately put this tournament to rest as well with none other than the Red Hot Chili Peppers beating Metallica, beating Black Sabbath, beating Iron Maiden, and beating Led Zeppelin. Also Rage Against the Machine, remember, too. Oh, and Rage Against the Machine. Forgot about that little one, too. Yeah. So, good lesson in how the internet works. Yep. Yeah, it's the the intention was for our listeners to decide the winner for our battle, but we opened it up for the world. Which was a big fucking mistake. 
and some Red Hot Chili Peppers fans discovered it and kind of took over. So, yes, that is what happened. For all of my friends and all of the listeners and followers that have been berating me with messages constantly since this thing started, what the fuck, how could this band win over that band, what the fuck, why is Red Hot Chili Peppers winning? I don't fucking know. It was a random poll that we put up. We have no control over how Zero it goes down. It's a fucking bracket challenge, so it's up to you guys. If you didn't like it, tell all your friends, call your grandmother, grab your niece, and tell them to go get an Instagram account and vote on this thing. Like, Jesus, this was not my fault. Well, let me explain to you how this went down. So, first of all, if you're listening for the first time, we created a bracket challenge. It was fucking Matt's idea, by the way. So if anybody wants to send their hate mail to Matt instead of me, I would really appreciate that. Thank you. <laughs> so it was like, you know, a March Madness sports bracket challenge, um, but for bands. And he took randomly a chunk of bands that we have covered on the show. And when it, and it started like that. So at some point, on, and this was on Instagram, so you had to look at our story and vote in the poll. Somehow, the Red Hot Chili Peppers fan club, which apparently is international and rather well-attended, strangely, found out about this, and um, it seems like they sent out a fucking chain letter to every damn fan in the world that they knew to go to our Instagram page and vote on this shift, right? Okay, what the fuck do you think is going to happen? Of course, everything's going to be Red Hot Chili Peppers. So I got really sick and tired of everybody bitching to me and getting fucking angry. So I reached out to this fan club, and it seems like they are located in a Latin American country. I couldn't really tell which one, but they're Spanish-speaking. So um, with my best Spanish, and I dusted it off and made sure I had even proper um, punctuation and conjugations, messaged them and said, would you like to be on our show? Would you like to tell us why you think Red Hot Chili Peppers are so great? Defend your, your reasons. Um, I'll let you guys talk about how your fan club got started. You can tell us about it. Um, you know, even if you don't want to do it, maybe one of your members. Because there's a couple guys that we're posting regularly. <sighs> guys and gals, yeah. Guys and gals, yes, but a few of the guys. And so I said maybe one of them wants to do it. Nothing. I responded to comments. I sent DMs, everything I could think of. Um, I put a call out, I think, a couple of shows ago, you know, early in March, saying that none of them responded. So finally we got them to respond to us on one of the Instagram posts. And their reasons behind thinking the Red Hot Chili Peppers um, are a better band than Black Sabbath, <laughs> or actually any other band, to be completely fair, that was up there, sorry, but um, they could not, their response was, because they deserve it, because they are so great, when we asked why are they so great, because they are, and then called us pussies, but didn't want to spell out pussies. So, I finally had to give the smackdown and said, you know, quit the shit, or people are going to start getting deleted and banned. And I was, you know, hoping they would then respond so I could do the big uh, dick-throwing challenge. If you want to compare who's dicks bigger than each other, it'll definitely be mine every fucking time, because this is my podcast, motherfuckers. 
but they didn't respond to that either. So, the moral of the story is, this was really annoying and frustrating and made me angry many times. Um, however, we very much appreciate that you guys got involved. We definitely got to, um, we definitely got to look at some of our listeners, which was really exciting. We saw that you guys were interacting with us, and that's really great because, you know, we don't have a live audience, so other than looking at numbers, we can't, you know, really tell who's listening, and if you're liking what we're doing and engaging, it's just a really great way to let us know. So for that, I will say thank you. As far as the Red Hot Chili Peppers things go, they can all go fuck themselves. The Red Hot Chili Peppers themselves would never, ever, ever say that they were a better band than pretty much all of the bands that they were up against. And if you are a true fan, you would know that. As a matter of fact, I did a little research to look up who were the influences for all of the musicians in the Red Hot Chili Peppers. And I'm here to tell you, my dudes in those fucking fan clubs, your boys would be pissed at you right now. And that's where I'm going to leave it. And we learned what not to do next year. Yes. <laughs> and we had some fun with them. We trolled them a little bit, which was funny. Which, yeah. A lot of it the was hate a, stemmed it from was that. It was fun. It was a learning experience. And like you said, Sailor, I love the interaction with the listeners we had. That was really Yeah, that fun. was really great. Yeah, that was, that was fucking awesome. Which was number one. So. Yes. Always. Yes. Always. Heard enough about that shit. What are we drinking tonight, everybody? You want me to go first? I'll Ed. go first. Fine. Sure. Okay. Well, yeah. I grabbed something out of the cabinet that I haven't had for a while. Um, I saw someone post something about it earlier today, then it clicked. Well, yeah. You know, um, who do we have in Motley Crue? We have Mick Mars. We have Vince Neil. We have Nikki Six, And we have Tommy Lee. Well, I just happened to have some um, Elmer T. Lee in my cabinet, so I grabbed that out. It sounded pretty good, so that's what I'm drinking tonight. That's cute. Nice tie-in. It was a stretch, <laughs> but I figured, hey, why not? Why not capitalize on it? <laughs> How about you, man? I am on an Evan Williams mm. kick. This is like, I don't know. In between shows, I'm still I'm just rotating through all of my different Evan Williams bottles. So tonight I'm landing on Evan Williams Green Label, nice one. Uh, Pat Benatar, the break-in yeah. show that we did that was Black Label. Uh, Sorry, uh, Sailor. By the I was way, drinking the. <laughs> oh, we're gonna talk about that. We're gonna we're gonna talk about that. Go ahead. Uh, I was I was drinking the bottled and bond, bottled and bond the other night. So now I'm doing the Green Label here. No particular connection or reason. Uh, but that's one one thing I'm curious about how how is the green label different or how does it compare to the black label I've never had the green label myself but I know both of you have I'd have to have them next to each other but having the having the black label so soon before this one I'm getting a little bit more sweetness on this one it's a little bit sweeter for me Uh, but I would definitely love to line the three up you know the the white, the black, and the and the green, and do like a either a blind or or a, just a tasting panel. On a blind three. would be really interesting. Yeah. I didn't I didn't use to really pick up a lot of differences, to be honest, until I went to the Evan Williams Experience when I was in Louisville two years ago, and um, I did the tasting after the tour, and 
I don't know. It just, I don't know if it was because of the environment I was in and I was listening to someone guide me through it who was, you know, very, very intimately familiar. But um, I learned that the green label will give you more sweetness, a little more viscosity, and you're going to get a little more of the barrel in there as well. You should get a little more bread and a little banana, a little bit extra banana in there. Um, I think the, you know, I'm a big fan. They're very, very inexpensive and super quality bourbon for the price. It's unbelievable. I hope it never changes. Um, the black is just a great bourbon for a very inexpensive daily drinker. Um, I wouldn't say much more than that. The green label, though, is well, it surprises me every time I drink it. I'm like, oh, oh gosh, this is like a lot better than I thought I remembered it being. Oh, okay. So I think you just get a little bit more depth to it, in my opinion. I mean, they're white label, they're 1783, you know, and then definitely, yeah. definitely the single barrel um, is probably the best of the bunch. But I mean, this, sure. just they haven't steered me wrong yet, man. Not yet. I am drinking. So I am drinking the uh, rest of my beautiful Whistle Pig farm stock rye that I got from my buddy Old Soul Whiskey Guy. Thank you, my friend. And um, I am enjoying it. If you did not listen to Monday's show, please pause right now. We will wait for you while you go back listen to that whiskey segment because that pairs with today's show. Um, I am not drinking black velvet uh, because I decided to unclog my drain with it. <laughs> so there you go. Um, but I do want to take a minute to talk about um, our April Fool's show. Pretty good for a guy. Uh-huh. Uh, so clever. Uh-huh. <laughs> the dudes took over um, the girls' studio and hijacked our fucking show and took one of our favorite ladies and covered her. And I will say, I think you guys did a great job. Chris is definitely a natural. We need to have him on more. Yes, we do. Um, so is Sasha. They're both just great um, when we have them on. I really enjoyed the show. However, I'm going to challenge you guys because I think what you did was you had a metal rock and whiskey show focused on a female musician rather than a pretty good for a girl show. So hey, what you, I would you, like to hear... Hey, you got to remember that we broke in and did I a understand. show on the we spot. Do what we know. I understand that. We, don't, we know how to do I understand that. that. <laughs> However, if you're going to hijack our show, you have some big shoes to fill. So I'm going to challenge you guys. And um, at some point, I'm going to ask you guys to do a rebuttal. Maybe the three of you can get together again and do a short little rebuttal. I want to hear what your thoughts are on some of the points that you brought up that you did not develop about what it was like for her to be a woman in a male-dominated industry at that time in her career to be pregnant and her label say, well, since you're pregnant, we're not going to let you tour. We're not going to support your last album and your tour and how that actually affected her career and the band's career at the time all because she was pregnant. So she has talked in many interviews about, um, you know, that she did have some protections because she happened to be in a band with her husband. So you know that hopefully he's always going to have your back and they have a great relationship and are a great partner and team. But she suffered a lot of 
um, unfortunate things due to her being a woman at that time in the music industry, and that's what I would like to hear more about from you guys. And I spoke with the ladies, and we all agree. And we would also like to hear a cocktail, because uh, we didn't get a cocktail out of you guys. And there's always a cocktail segment on Pretty Good for a Girl. And so again, that's your and, challenge. And again, in our defense, we were just trying to get the show done before the cop oh. showed up. Hey, we had to fucking kidnap you guys, okay? We had to kidnap all three of you guys and then coordinate two shows. So, and we managed to do it. So, that is our challenge to you guys. Challenge accepted. The gauntlet has been thrown. There we go. All right. Let's get into this discussion, shall we? This action. Uh, Oh, movie a few times unfortunately for me and um i wanted to watch it fresh with a fresh perspective and then um i wanted to watch it after my bewilderment went away and then purely just to remember some of the things and take notes on them so kind of broke it up into segments and i thought that would help our discussion today guys So, I want to start right at the beginning with a quote from the movie. The 1980s, worst fucking decade in human history. Stupid haircuts, it all fucking sucked. Okay. Really? I'm pretty sure this movie's sole purpose was to glorify the 1980s and all of its hedonistic glory. I'm also fairly certain that the fucking 1980s were the decade that make you guys famous. You dumb twats. So that's just right away. That was kind of a... I could... Garbage. Now that you you bring it up, I do remember hearing that, and I thought, what the... That was kind of a stupid statement. Now, if he was strictly speaking from... I know this was all, like, supposed to be from Nikki Six's point of view. He was kind of like the narrator in the movie. (laughs) For most of it, yeah. And if he's just talking about his childhood, I could see why... But that was more like the 1970s. That was the 70s. That was the 70s. He literally said the eighties, the worst fucking decade in human history. How in the motherfuck can it be the worst decade when all of your hit albums came out in the nineteen eighties? When everything that you are glorifying and celebrating with this movie happened in the nineteen eighties. Without the nineteen eighties, you would not exist. Unless he's admitting, How, why would you start? He's off admitting your movie like now that, that looking back. You know how horrible you know the things they did were. Well, exactly. It's, it's, a, a, it's a retrospective. It's a re, more of yeah, a no, regret. And out of all the guys, out of all happen. the guys in that band, out of all the guys in that band, you know, he would be the one to say something exactly. like that. But I, it's obvious for obvious reasons what he is saying is wrong. If you're just talking from his career and that decade made them, yes. Correct. But I think exactly. he's doing it more on a personal level as far as all the shit that he went through. But he's not saying about his personal life. He's talking about fashion, haircuts. Uh, he, he mentioned several things. It all He says it all fucking sucked. What? All right. All right, let's okay. move past one of the first lines of the movie. Uh, well, I mean, that, that was kind of it for me. I mean, that pretty much sums up the whole movie. I would movie. have to like, take issue movie, with that as well. 
It's, yeah. ce- it's to, celeb- to celebrate and glorify, for better or for worse, they are allowed to glorify whatever the fuck they want in their own past history. I find that to be, the minute I heard that, I was like, wait, what? What is this movie going to be about then? The Harry Krishnas in the 1980s? Like, I'm so confused. So it just confused me right, right off It's a little out of place. All right. I, I agree with you on that. So um, there, there were several things in this movie that really got to me. And Nikki is, like Ed said, the voiceover in most of the movie. Um, not him really, but the actor who portrays him. And here's another quote. We lived up the street from the famous Whiskey A Go-Go. And then he goes on to talk about the partying that they did. He did not mention the bands that were playing the whiskey at the time. Those are the bands that inspired them. He did not mention the new genre that was being formed in that very um, venue at the time. He didn't mention local bands or show bands playing at the time. Having access to a place like the Whiskey, where all of this was kind of a center point, and not to mention any of the music, was mind-blowing to me and dumbfounding. Um, Instead, let's focus on a girl squirting across the room and banging a bunch of random chicks. (laughs) Rather (laughs) Rather than them as teenagers before they even met each other, perhaps, or all together watching shows at the whiskey. I mean, why bother mentioning it? If anybody, anybody who knows the Whiskey A Go-Go only knows it because of the bands that have played there, starting with the famous door scene in the movie, you know, when Jim Morrison didn't want to turn around, that was at the Whiskey A Go-Go. I mean, how do you mention the whiskey and when you live that close to it and you don't mention the music? So, and, again, yeah. we're a band that's written a book about the band that is a band making this movie about a band and we haven't mentioned music yet so not and not to get off on a tangent here but there should be a movie made about just the whiskey ago yeah. because i think that would be fucking that would be fantastic amazing. yeah that's just one yeah. thought that i had while watching yeah. this movie kind of like an almost famous type style exactly would be really yeah. super cool yeah mm-hmm. um so just to just to add a point to this before we talk about it I want to give you one more quote in the same discussion. Quote, we weren't a band. We were a gang, a gang of fucking idiots. (laughs) Well, my dear listeners, if you were mistakenly led to believe that you were about to watch a movie that was going to focus on a band, music in the 80s, or the local music scene of California, or how glam metal got its start, you should just turn the movie off now. Nikki's voiceover just revealed the subject of the movie. A gang of yeah, fucking idiots. Yeah, that pretty idiots. much sets the tone exactly. for the rest of the movie. Yes. <laughs> exactly. So, I think at that point, I was starting to realize, oh shit, I don't think this is going to be about a band. I think this movie is going to be about a bunch of fucking hooligans. I'm sorry, but I have, half of my dude friends are these guys in the 80s. What they were doing was nothing special. And some of these dudes weren't even in fucking bands. If you were a young, horny teenager in the 80s, you were doing exactly what these guys were doing. Yes, they were doing it on a larger scale, but whoop fucking do You banged chicks and did drugs, got drunk and trash shit. Welcome to every teenager's life. So the fuck what? Move on now. Let, let's get to the band part, maybe? I know, it sounds like you had a little bit higher expectations for this movie, Sailor, because when I before I watched it, it pretty much lived up to my expectations. This is exactly what yeah, it was I exactly what I, I thought, thought it was going to be. be. Yeah, I thought it was going to be about the band. 
I thought it was going to be about the band's antics, and it was. Okay. Um, that's what I was expecting, too. So uh, yeah, that's why, I, yeah. I wasn't expecting much, but I was expecting better. Um, much, much, much better. I mean, you already made a book about the antics, but at least they focus on the music a little bit more in the book. Um, some of the things that I think is really odd, they did Nikki's backstory, um, and they focus on his backstory more than anybody's, and showed his childhood, and some really scenes that had to be really difficult to watch being depicted between his mother, who seemed to be an alcoholic and, and not a fit mother, and, you know, a series of men going in and out of his life that were abusive and not having his father around or really any relationship with him. What, what they left out completely were his grandparents. The guy wrote a fucking song and stuck it on the Girls, Girls, Girls album called Nona, his beloved grandmother. Uh... I don't understand why such an... It was, he claims they are the most important force in his life, well, his grandparents. Having parents like he did, I could, I could definitely understand why he would say that. Well, sure, of course, but the point... Why, but he yeah, didn't why were they omitted? Of them. They, were they could have included omitted. it and it still would have been fine. Absolutely. It wouldn't have taken gonna, anything away from the movie. Right, and you're, if you're going to include the mother, why wouldn't you include the grandparents? That made... You could have just showed one quick scene with the mother and then showed him growing up with his grandparents. You know, it's, I found it strange. And I'm only yeah. saying that because that song did not belong on that record. But then when you learned why it was on there, it was like, oh, okay, that makes sense. And then you're mm-hmm. not going to bring it up. Right? I mean, at the very least, it gives his him more depth as a human. Absolutely. You know, not just the rock star, but right. to each his own. Um, did Jack Daniels sponsor this movie, I wonder? Did you guys know <laughs> that? <laughs> Well, that was like the whiskey back in the day that all the it was one. Were. It was one of them, but it was not the it's only one. Like every one. Du- every dummy bottle was like yeah, ev- every yeah. single yeah. one of them. Um, again, I was there in the eighties, and I was drinking, and I was drinking with kids and bands, and I was doing all that shit. And dude, we couldn't afford Jack Daniels all the time, and Jack Daniels isn't even expensive when you're a shitty kid. You can't afford fucking Jack Daniels. I'm sorry, but that scene with him. At the tele, at the phone booth when he's calling his father, you know, the last time he ever spoke to him. Uh-huh. Um, and he's like, I was broke, I was starving, I was homeless, I was living on the streets, but you have a bottle of Jack Daniels? That would have been way too pricey at the time, dude. I well, I think there's, uh, well, there's one scene where there, where Tommy Lee is actually doing the voiceover, and they, they, he, t- he walks him, he walks us through his day, I guess, like wake up at 5 yeah. p.m. Yes, and, yes, yeah. And when he gets to the, because I always notice, you know, as people who are interested in whiskey and yeah. in the whiskey business, we always notice bottles and stuff in yeah. movies. We just, our eyes are drawn to it. And Jen yeah. hates when I do that. But I know, um, I know. <laughs> but when he gets to the gig at night at the end of his day and he's handed a bottle of champagne and it's like a Cristal Rosé, which is like a $400 bottle. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like you're drinking Jack, but you're drinking $400 champagne. Right, exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, who cares about the Jack Daniels bottle? I just, I don't know. Yeah, it was, no, it was I noticed it too, though. Yeah. Which is funny to me. Um... All right, so let's go to when the band supposedly formed. So you guys all know, I hope, since we did our own timeline on the show, that that was a complete and total mashed potato, grated cheese, bizarro way of depicting how the band got together. And one of the most fucked up things was that, (laughs) like, you could have just mentioned Odin for one second. Like, dude, there was another guy singing Motley Crue songs. They even made a demo together before Vince Neil. Like, 
<laughs> exists on audio somewhere. Like, didn't they even do a show, I think, maybe, together? I think, mm-hmm. but a small show. Um, so, this whole first practice with Vince and Mars was a load of fucking bullshit. Um, also, Nikki Six had already auditioned for Tommy's band. They didn't meet in that Denny's, dude. He, and he was, he was unsuccessful in auditioning for Tommy's band, actually. They did not take him on as bass player. So, Tommy and Nikki already knew each other, and it was Nikki chasing Tommy, not the other way around. So, I don't know why they did what they did, like making him all starstruck when he saw Tommy. I thought that was really, really fucking strange, the way they did the whole forming the band. It, it was an odd, Sure, okay, apparently that's not the point of the movie, but you can make it correct at least. Yeah, you know? I say if they're basically in charge of this, you know, getting the, they made the movie. right, yeah. why would they mix up something like that? That, that doesn't crucial. make any sense. Their formation. Yeah, that, that's, you're, you're hitting on probably some of the biggest problems I had with the movie were the inaccuracies, and there's no excuse for it. I no, mean, there's no excuse when the band the makes the movie. Your own band, right, exactly. The... Yeah. Omitting things is whatever. It, they didn't see it as important to the No, sure. The formation of our band is unimportant. Yeah. I mean uh it's the only reason you're making a fucking movie, I mean, dudes. I did like exactly. some of the details they got in there that I recognized from doing our timeline, like the ad oh, yeah. in the paper from Loud Rude Guitar Player. Yeah, yeah, that was and, fucking know, awesome. Stuff like that. Or talking about naming the band Christmas. Yes, yeah, yeah, Christmas that was funny. Thing. That was funny. Um, but, so here's another another thing that I have to say that my biggest two biggest problems with this movie are the the statement, the opening of the movie statement, and then this this section of the movie. I find it absolutely unforgivable that you would mangle the formation of your band. It's bizarre to me. There's no reason for it. It doesn't make any sense. I'm not complaining that it was too short as a part of the story. Sure, I would have liked to see more of it because that's what I thought I was watching. Fine. But to make it incorrect is bizarro to me. Vince Neil, they asked him several times to be in the band. He was already in a successful band. He said no. Then he finally agreed, okay, fine, I'll show up, and then he didn't show up. When he finally did show up and audition with them, which it was for a demo, actually, it wasn't actually even an audition, because they knew they wanted him, he still wasn't into it. So this whole way that played out was was bizarre as well. The only reason in the end Vince Neil joined is because his band had been doing well for a while, and they started to kind of fall apart a little bit, he just thought, oh, fuck it, all right. I'll jump off the sinking ship and go, these guys really want me, and see what happens here. So I, again, don't know why they chose to mangle that. That was very strange. Um, Again, another quote, memorable quote, by the Vince Neil character. I wasn't in a band to make music. I was in a band to get laid. All right, let's jump forward to their first live performance, which also is complete and total bullshit. Again, I don't know why they did this. Their first live performance had almost 600 people in attendance. Um, they were already pretty solid as a band. Um, it was very, very well promoted. They were very popular at the time. 
um, as an entity, whether it was through the partying or, or their friendship with other musicians, I don't know, but the way that whole first show went down was complete bullshit. But the thing that did make me laugh really fucking hard was the guy in the back after the fight that goes, yelled, fuck yeah, Molly Crew. I just died laughing. I was like, oh, dude, there's always that guy at every fucking show. <laughs> um, you know what would have been a really, really cool scene? Speaking of seeing them play live, which we rarely got to do in this movie, was... um seeing them actually play at the Whiskey A Go-Go. What a great circle to complete there, you know? Mm-hmm. We got started partying right next to the whiskey, and everybody would, we were the after party of the Whiskey A Go-Go, and look at us now, we're actually packing this place in. I thought that would, that would have been really fucking cool, you know? What an evolution. But I guess that wasn't important. All right, let's talk about... Another major thing that they did not address, which um, I'm going to start making comparisons now, I feel that it is would have been such a great perspective. They did not talk about what they wore, their hair, and their makeup at all. And it was such a huge moment in glam metal at the time. It is a huge reason they got popular. It was a huge thing that held them back for a minute, that, ca- that caused problems for them. Um, just like Dee Snyder and the guys in Twisted Sister talked a lot about that in their movie. They, there was no mention of it. Not only that, but they wore a fraction of the makeup in the movie that the guys actually wore during right. their glam period yep. in real life. And I don't understand. And the whole, like, like if you Google pictures of them, their outfits were straight up fucking ladies S&M gear. Like... Yep. It's they like, look like chicks. It's almost like I get the feeling that they were just trying to play that down and just yeah. kind of whitewash that little piece yeah, of their they reeled history. Yeah, they reeled it back a little bit on that. Why? Because you're right, though. Because, I mean, like, like they had that makeup caked. Oh, dude. Caked on. Like, back then. Inten- like, an intense amount of makeup. Um, so I thought that was, that was a huge problem for me, that there was really... Why wouldn't you discuss that? And also, okay, if you're trying to be funny, well, that was a big reason that they got a lot of chicks. Is because they looked fucking pretty in all their fucking makeup and hairdos and shit, you know? <laughs> I mean, they could have worked it into their stupid point of their movie, but anyway. All right, yeah, so that, that was, was a lost opportunity right there. Big, big time, big time. Um, all right, let's move on to. <laughs> how they got assigned to a record label. Once again, why would you mangle the motherfucking shit out of this? If I was them, I would be so fucking proud, and I would make that such a huge point of the movie. Okay, we may have been dumb, stupid kids from nowhere and nothing at the time, but we were smart enough to create our own fucking record label because nobody would sign us. Yeah. Why wouldn't you take? Why wouldn't you want credit for that? Why wouldn't you make that part of the story? Why wouldn't you? I don't under. I, I'm mind blown by that. Yeah, I do. Th- that's one other thought I had was how they basically downplayed um, and didn't give themselves enough credit. Surprisingly enough, um, when the labels said no, you know what they did to kind of get around it. I, 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 the kid did not come up to them and go, "Hey, I want to sign you guys." 
That never fucking happened. Yeah. It didn't happen like that. They said no for a very long fucking time and had to do, like we talked about on um, part one of Motley Crue, they had to do some fucking antics. They had management first yeah. that did all that Canadian bullshit and the getting arrested in the airport and, you know, acting like they're doing this crazy popular tour in Canada back in L.A. And where's the argument over putting Home Sweet Home on the album? Yeah, and financing their own videos. They had to finance their own video for it. Where's MTV? Where's the discussion of what MTV did for them? Without MTV, they may have never made it. They did bring up MTV, though. They brought it up for two seconds. In the in the movie, though. Two seconds. Yeah, it was but brief, om- but it was there. Omitting the home sweet home thing. Can you imagine if they just went ahead with and agreed with the label and said, okay, we won't include the song? No. It's one of the most famous rock ballads of all time. Why wouldn't you include that? And they play it in the movie. Exactly. At the end of the movie. Yeah. It's bizarre to me. Fucking bizarre. Where is the struggle over their artwork being censored? There is another great time to talk about censorship. They were a part of the famous case that went in front of the Supreme Court when D. Snyder sat down and um, gave witness statement and his amazing speech and wiped the fucking Senate floor. Um, they were a part of the uh, petition that was signed. Motley Crue were a part of that because they had been censored as well. Mm-hmm. What a missed opportunity. Again, yeah, we were young, dumb fucks, but we weren't that dumb. And here's a thing, a really scary thing that happened in very recent history that we should make sure never fucking happens again. Where's that? Yeah, it's almost like they were focused on making themselves look as crazy, wild, and out of control as possible for this film. And the parts of their career where they were smart and did the right things, they totally either just glossed over it or didn't even bring it up. So bizarre. It's just downright, that to me is downright irresponsible. I mean, being from that generation, if I got to be in a room with those guys, I would say to them, how dare you? How dare you leave out such an earth-shattering subject, such a terrible part of our American history, censorship, that censorship was so alive and well still, just in the 1980s, and is still alive and well. Um, How dare you not include that? That's just fucking irresponsible. You're just shitting on a really important part of our history. I, I'm that that made me really angry. That I don't appreciate. Um, shall we talk about the Ozzy scene? Oh my God! Yes, let's talk about the Ozzy scene. That's the one I couldn't wait to for you guys to see. Because <laughs> I remember when we did the Ozzy, um, our Ozzy shows. The story about him snorting ants. Yeah. I can't believe they actually... (laughs) I'm sure that's not how it happened, but I do remember that that being being, uh, brought up. Ozzy admits it. No, it's probably exactly how it happened, but my question is, what was the fucking point of that scene? What was the point? Just to get it in there. For why? That's it. For what reason? Just to because make the point of... that they crossed paths with Ozzy Osbourne. And they were on they... tour with him! 
They were on fucking tour with him. It's not like he just strolled out. Oh, look, it's Ozzy Osbourne. It's the same pool that we're at. They were on tour together. All right. See, when, and this is what Ed said before, and I'm going to reiterate something he said before we started this, is that it comes down to expectations for this movie. And I think Ed and I shared an expectation, excuse me, for this movie. And I expected that scene to be one of the top most talked about scenes in the movie because you sure you've heard the stuff everyone that's there had you know clarified that it actually happened and they wanted people to see it so i mean to me you know if you're aiming if that's what you're aiming for in this movie then that has to be in there whether it fits in with everything else that's going on or not only because it's so talked about so if i was ozzy osbourne I'd be like, that's what you're, that's, that's all I get, that's it, cool. Um, forget the fact that they were opening for him and playing to giant sold-out stadiums, and he has always been a supporter of other bands, um, and especially smaller bands, and he's just one of those guys that, you know, wants to help everybody along. Um, I don't know, perhaps that too. Sure, everybody knows Ozzy is the Prince of Darkness was a crazy fucking maniac beyond maniacs. Everybody knows this. It's fine to put that scene in there, but just that, just dropping that scene in there was so out of place with really no, it wasn't connected to anything. And I found that so strange. I mean, strange. I would have, I would have liked the scene where they actually like met him for the first time. Yeah. And kind of interesting. You have yes. these four kids and then you have Ozzy who they meet right. for the first time and, they think they're crazy, and then they meet Ozzy. Exactly. So, I mean, maybe that would have put that scene in a little bit more context, but... Show them, yeah, show them on yeah. tour with him a little bit. Yeah, a couple, then couple it would more have, scenes. Yeah, okay. string it together a little, guys. So that was very poorly done. You and little then, kids think you know crazy. <laughs> I know crazy. <laughs> Talk to Uncle I mean, Ozzy. <laughs> I mean, the actor was pretty good. He did yeah, the actor was really oh, good, the actor was spot... The, yeah, he did a great cast, job. Some of the casting... Yeah in this movie was really really good you have to admit heather locklear that was oh, another yeah, one that was that was, i said that i, well, Jen, Jen I, I, I was like i was like that is a fucking yeah heather that was locklear, crazy man. i had to do a double yeah. take i was I'm like what like, is this cgi character i know like, it was, i know that was that was fucking crazy <clears throat> um all right so let's move on uh so let's move on to um nikki six's death so Again, really odd, very strange way that they put that in there. It did not go down at all like they portrayed it in the movie, of course. Um, he was with Steven Adler and um, Slash from Guns N' Roses and Robin Crosby from Rat, and they were shooting up all day long. I think when they panned over the couch that was supposed to be Slash passed out, that's really all you got to see. You know, Maybe you caught that, maybe you yeah, didn't. Yeah, I caught it. Um, yeah. Slash's girlfriend is actually the one who's responsible for Nikki Six still being alive without much brain damage because she continued CPR until the paramedics got there. Um, even though he was technically flatlined, when he hit the paramedics, she kept blood pumping to his brain mm. by, um, by doing the CPR the whole time until the paramedics got there. So... Um, I, I don't, 
I thought it was a bizarre way they kind of did all of that, too, because I thought that was could be a really important time to be like, yeah, yeah, this movie's cool, we're partying, we were crazy, but also, you know, heroin is fucking stupid, and look what happens. Again, I think it's irresponsible because, to me, it kind of made light of the fact that he fucking died of an overdose and had to be brought back. Um, don't make light of that shit. Not today. That's that's fucking bullshit. Then don't, then don't bring it up. You know what I mean? Either... Bring it up and treat it responsibly, or don't bring it up at all. Yeah. I, I don't know. Um, the same thing with the car accident, um, Vince Neal's car accident. Again, let's remember, they chose to bring these things up. Mm-hmm. They had full rights over this movie, what went in it and what didn't, just like with the book. Um, <clears throat> they totally made light of that car accident. Um, you think Vince so? Neal... Absolutely. They weren't chatting and he looked away and then hit a car. He hit several cars because he was fall down drunk. <clears throat> I mean, wasted drunk and was swerving in and out of lanes. He did not just kill Razzle. He hit two other cars and two other passengers had serious lifetime brain damage from that accident as well. I think he hit four cars before he actually stopped. Um, why would you make light of that if you're not going to treat it properly and responsibly? I don't know if you making light of it is the proper way to say it other than not showing the proper gravity of the situation. Not fully embracing it for how bad it was. Well, I don't know. He walked out of the house speaking coherently in the movie, and that was not the fact when he left the house. In reality, they were having this lighthearted, buddy, bro, pal conversation in the car, and he just looked away for a minute, and then there was, he supposedly laid on Vince's nap, and everything was okay until he just got, like, it was, it's all bullshit. And oh, it, yeah, you, it prob- you're probably so right, but um, I wouldn't call it making light of it, it's just, you know, obviously just kind of glossing over it, I think would be more of I think a, it's the same thing. Yeah. Anyway. But Yeah. I didn't know as much about the uh, the details of the accident, so I really didn't have an opinion on that one way or the other. But they could have handled it. They they, they should have handled it very differently. Well, I think that they. I mean, if anything, and I'm surprised you didn't say this, sailor, is that I think that in many ways for that scene, just that scene, maybe not so much for later scenes where, you know, Vince Neil goes through a, a personal trauma, but I think they almost paint the picture of him being a victim in that scene as well as the guy that the, he killed in his vehicle. Yes. Yes. I was going to get to that. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. That's why I say, make, that's why it's like, it was just an accident because he just looked away for a minute. And it was unclear in the movie exactly how the car accident happened. Or just um, his reaction. When and he, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, that's not at all how it happened. He, it, he should have been tackled to not get in his car. But of course, it's nobody's responsibility but his own. Because he, was, he couldn't even speak properly when he left the house. Um, from the accounts that are listed in the police report. I mean, he was not coherent before the car accident and he shouldn't have been driving at all so yeah um so the whole Vince Neal thing I found it very difficult to watch the movie without knowing that I still don't think they have a good relationship with Vince Neal 
and I think that showed in this movie. Um, in, that's my opinion. Um, his, the way he left the band, all of that was all bullshit. Also, um, he. You're going to get into personal struggles, dude, then do it. You know what I mean? Do it. Don't don't just, like, lightly touch on it um, and then try to make it, like, I, I don't know. Vince did not stop making music while his daughter was sick, and I don't in any way want to be disrespectful about this subject, but they brought it up, they put it in the movie, you know, so we get to talk about it. Um, it's a horrible thing that happened, and I... I can't even imagine what it's like to endure such a thing, but they got the facts really wrong. He actually started another band immediately after he left Motley Crue, and that band actually toured and made an album. Um, <clears throat> he wasn't uh, just taking time off for, you know, his family, and um, I'm not trying to make any statement about his involvement with his daughter at all. I'm not speaking about that, but they made it seem like you know, he took time off because he was so emotionally distressed and was kind of doing nothing. Right. Can we talk, we're getting about to about that part of the movie. Can we talk about Dr. Feelgood for a minute? Not yet. <laughs> Are we not that far Let's yet? Let's take a break okay. first. Let's take a break first um, so that I can go get a cough drop and pee. And uh, we'll let the listeners hear some music. And when we come back, we will continue. Here we are talking about Motley Crue's movie, The Dirt. Before we move on um, to talking about Dr. Feelgood, since we're discussing some of the personal struggles that the band members faced, I think it would be remiss to not discuss Mick Mars for many, many reasons. Mm -hmm. um, we, have made, we have made jokes about... McMars being a Muppet, and they call him an alien in the movie, and um, Guilty. That's, that's just because he's such he's such an enigma, he's such an, a mystery, Yeah, really, especially how the fuck he was with those guys for that long is so bizarre to me, I, I don't know, know it, how he dealt with it. Especially, well, with the, at the Ozzy scene, mm -hmm. by the pool, he's like, basically calling him out, like, all you guys want to do is, you know, just screw around and all this is and um you could tell that at least in the movie it made him seem like he was like another level above where they were and it's well like, he was he in doing? many ways um, what is he doing hanging out with these jokers well, they call them know? like they call him the old man right? yeah yeah, yeah I mean, because he's a freaking phenomenal guitar player well, I, you know, that's he what i wanted have, to talk about he could have been with a lot of other bands but I he chose to stick around with them. But yeah, which probably wasn't a bad choice for him, and I think a lot of it had to do with what he was going through physically. Um, but uh, Mick Mars was already an accomplished guitarist when he and her had already been in umpteen bands um, by the time he met the other guys. And um, I think that's a shame that they didn't include that in the movie. I think they're doing him a great disservice. How talented this man is. Now, because Nikki Six is the main writer, it's really Nikki and Tommy, kind of like um, Lars and James Hetfield and Talica. They do 
primarily most of the songwriting. But I think, and for some reason, Mick was just okay with it, and I think he just kind of saw it as a job. I think he saw it as, like, this is how I get my paycheck. Um, but he's a much better guitar player than Motley Crue makes music. I'll tell you that right now. And um, I, I think that without, I know that without him, they wouldn't have made it because um, what he brings to that band musically is, is late years above what they were capable of, surely, when they were starting out. Um, and, and, I think and, they, oh, sorry, I think they kind of made a good point. Um, maybe it wasn't done in the most accurate way. But I think they really drove that point home in the audition scene where Mick came in and um, kind of blew them all away. Yeah, a little bit. I think they could have done a little more, um, in my opinion. But again, I keep forgetting this isn't about music, this movie. Um, so they, they talked a little bit. They kind of touched on his um, condition that he had. Um, one of the things that they didn't, which I don't know why they didn't put this in the movie, because they did show these guys going through struggles and recovering from them a little bit. Did you know that he stopped playing guitar for two years and couldn't even hold the guitar or remember how to play the guitar after one of his surgeries? Did you know that? Mm, no. Nick Mars had to work with a neurosurgeon to relearn how to play the fucking guitar. How in the fuck... Do you not highlight a triumph like that by the guy that's supposed to be one of your brothers? But what, like, can you imagine? I think that's unfucking believable. This poor man sunk so deep in depression after the band, um, you know, their heyday kind of ended. And, uh, and it was actually the guys in the band that kind of helped him out and said, hey, you know, we gotta, you know, where has Mick been? They hadn't spoken to him, I think, in almost two years or something like that, and he was in a deep depression and really got placed physically, <clears throat> and they helped him get out of that, and, and he got a surgery, and he learned to play the guitar, and, and he's doing really well now. Um, I think it's a shame that they didn't cover that and highlight yeah. that, because it's an amazing story. Um, just like we cover What's-His-Face learning to play the drums with one arm from Def Leppard. I mean, it's an incredible story. And uh, I think Mick deserves that. Okay. Um, the other thing I thought was strange when we're still, while we're still on the personal stuff is you don't cover Tommy Lee's infamous marriage. Really? Like the sex tapes? Oh, I was waiting for that to come up. Oh, it's almost like they ended it. It's almost like they ended the movie after they... I guess right after, like, right around Generation Swine, I guess, is almost like when the movie fucking ended. Because they don't really mention anything after. Except for we played for 20 more years. Like, they just mentioned that, yeah. It makes me curious if some of those scenes may have been filmed and just got cut out of the final cut. You know? I think it's bizarre that she's not... I think it's weird that they didn't include, but whatever. I mean, maybe she maybe want to be included. Maybe it's because he went to jail for what six months for assaulting her. I don't know. Maybe they didn't want to get into that. Um, I I I have to bring up the point that has been made already. I'm not the first one to make this point um, about how women were portrayed in this movie. Fucking sucks. Um, you know whether or not. You know, you're doing a look back, and that's how things were, dude. 
<laughs> again, another missed opportunity to give some perspective on that behavior and the treatment of women. Um, two of these guys have been charged with physically assaulting their wives. Um, two of them have been accused of sexual assault, sexual assault, um, which is, in fact is a nice, nicer word to say than rape. Um, it's in the book. It's in dirt. Um, so again, they, they bring it up. I don't know. I don't know why you wouldn't take the opportunity, especially because some of them have daughters, to say, hey, you know, this is how we treat women. This is, I mean, women were basically nothing but a piece of meat to them. Um, and give a little perspective on that. They could have done that, and they could have done it in a way that would have fit into the movie. But whatever, that's my perspective. Um, I've been glued to Nikki Six to his Twitter since the movie came out. And um, man, is he sensitive about this movie, let me tell you. Woo-wee. Um, they, they, the band does a lot of crying and moaning about how the critics never liked them. And they've never been taken seriously as a band, and they've never been taken seriously for their music. Hmm. Well, perhaps you could have made a movie about your fucking music, dumbbells. <laughs> but that's not that is not what is gonna get people talking, unfortunately. And and speaking of their music, can we talk about <laughs> the recording of Dr. Feelgood? Oh my god. What I think is probably one of the the more glaring omissions of this movie. How it looked like Nikki Six was the producer of this album. Uh, Yeah. As opposed to Mr. Bob Rock. Well, maybe that was one of the better things I did in the movie. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, the whole, look, the whole movie is fiction. I'm just gonna, I mean, it is. It's fiction with little tidbits and little turds of reality in it. But it's basically a fucking fairy tale. This is a fairy tale of a couple of guys in the 1980s who desperately wanted to be a band and fuck everything in sight and snort everything in sight. And that's what they did. And they threw in a couple realities. And that's it. There is more fiction than there is fact in this movie. So you might as well say you fucking rode unicorns from one show to the other. I mean... It wouldn't really be out of place. Because the movie is pretty much all bullshit. (laughs) Sure. I mean, why not? Metaphorically. Why not? (laughs) Metaphorically. (laughs) Metaphorically. I'm sure they wrote a lot of things from one show to the other metaphorically. (laughs) And factually. I mean, who the fuck knows? I mean, look. (laughs) I get that people are interested in, you know, the hedonistic lifestyle of musicians. There's been multiple books from the groupie side books from the roadie side books from the band side mm-hmm. books from the record label side you know everybody's written books about the the crazy shit that goes on you know with bands and all that like we know yada 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 whoop gee fucking do we know we also have reality television these days some of the shit i've seen on the real housewives trumps the shit that they showed on the fucking dirt that they talked about in the book so i don't get it I, and I think that's what it comes down to, is this day and age, to wait this long, and this is the type of movie they come out with, it didn't impress me. It didn't even impress me as fiction. I can write a better story about a fucking bunch of rock stars that are depraved lunatics. A much better story. I think it's just crap. It kind of reminds me of, uh, I guess the whole point is like, 
there is no point. It reminds me of like the movie Dazed and Confused. How it was just a movie about things that happened at a particular time, but there really wasn't a point to it. <laughs> I mean, sure, but this is a factual group of people that did a factual thing that was rather large in our history. Yes, that's the that's what it should have been. <laughs> but that's not the way it ended up being. <laughs> no, well, it was a fucking made-up story. When your expectations are low, you know they're easily achieved, they're easily met, and maybe exceeded. So my expectations were were pretty low, and it was exactly what I thought it would be. Mine were low as that. well. I read the book. The book is not great. Yeah. The book is like any other. I've read so many of these books. Um, I've read Marilyn Manson's book. I've read Ozzy's book, which is fucking phenomenal. I think I've mentioned this. Go get it. You've got to read his biography. It's amazing. Um, <clears throat> I've read tons of these books, and it's not a good one. The Dirt, the book, is not that great. It's not, I don't know. I, it's just not that great. Um, and the movie's horrible. It's a horrible movie, even with very, very, very low expectations. It's just... I, Man, I, I went in thinking that they were going to omit certain things, and I went in thinking that they were going to exaggerate certain things, and it, it, it is exactly what I expected of it. So from that perspective, it, it can't, it's, it's not disappointing to me from that perspective. You bring up very valid points, um, things that were grossly overlooked, um, but my expectations were not that high as to where I would be disappointed in what I saw. Well, you're so more cynical say. than I am, then. <laughs> Damn. That's hard to do. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so... Um, on a scale of 1 to 10, uh, 10 being the best and 1 being the worst, we'll go around the room um, and, you know, we'll, we'll give our stars. Ed, why don't you start? Just for pure popcorn entertainment value without any regard to facts or anything I'd probably give it a 6 okay um, I would say probably a 6 or a 7 um, for the same reasons and for like I said before just 2 seconds ago um, the low expectations, the not expecting more than what I actually received through my TV. Um, you know, it's certainly nowhere near the best type of film like this that I've seen, nor is it certainly the worst that I've seen. So I will put it slightly above uh, average in the middle there. So six or seven. Well, I'm going to give it a one. It's only getting one star. Because, um, I don't know, actually. Because they did so, a great job with the Heather Locklear character and Ozzy. <laughs> Alright, I'm going to ask you a question here. So if this movie gets a 1, what does The Runaways get? Does it also get a 1? Does it get a negative 10? It, it got, that gets a 0 for me, The Runaways. A 0, okay. Yeah. okay. Yeah. Absolute 0. That was horrific. Um, mm-hmm. And also so factually incorrect. It wasn't even funny. But they didn't write that movie. They didn't. They weren't there making it on set with them. They most of them were against it, and some were just like whatever, you know, about it. 
So I think that's those are two striking differences. Huge difference. Huge difference. I mean, like yeah. I said, I don't know. Maybe I was a bad kid. Maybe it was the crowds I hung out with. Like that party, the stupid squirting scene. Like whatever. Like that was high school, or or, or after high school. High school I went to. Well, I mean, it was it was it was for even like as my adult years, like crazy parties, like. Someone's fucking someone here, and this one has got. There's these two dumb dudes are fighting, and like, oh shit, the cops are getting called, or this one's snorting coke off this but ass. And for for the for this generation of high schoolers, high schoolers now, college kids now, some of that could probably be like, whoa, you know, they might actually be surprised at all that stuff. Happening. I should fucking hope so. Yeah. I mean, I I hope so, but I mean, that was just like a regular party for us. You know? I don't think you were you were the average crowd sailor, to be perfectly honest. Because I think I was the average rocker. That's <laughs> like I wasn't snorting off some chick's ass crack. <laughs> I mean, I think I was. The, I think I was the average rocker in the '80s that went out to parties and shows for sure. Well, of course, growing up in a rural midwestern town. <laughs> yeah, that's gonna be a little different. different. <laughs> yeah, but even when I lived in Ohio, like my last two years of high school, those kids were worse than the city kids were. They were way more depraved. Because they, they were they're partying out on the gravel roads. Well we were I mean, we had a helicopter fucking show up. The police helicopter come to one of the house oh, parties. Gosh. And there was all kinds of depraved shit happening at that at that party. Um, I don't know, I was going to shows when I was younger, and I was going to shows even in my 30s. Like, I can think of times in my 30s when I had bands that I was on tour with <clears throat> in Europe, and I can tell you stories that were, some of them were way worse than the shit I saw in this movie. So, I don't know, it didn't impress me. It didn't impress me, and I just thought... <sighs> You're just a lot more jaded than we are. Oh, I also just don't think, I don't think it was well done. I don't think... The acting was that great in the main characters. I don't think that, um, I don't know, I just don't think it was a well-made movie in addition to all the other shit that I brought up and it had enough money behind it. So, I don't know. I've seen low-budget films with better quality than this movie. So, yeah, it's going to get one star just because of the guy who played Ozzy and the girl who played Heather Lockley. (laughs) (laughs) And I guess the guy who played Mick Mars did a really good job too. Actually. He did. He was probably the best yeah. actor yeah. of all those guys. I couldn't stand. The, I could not stand Tommy Lee's character. He made him look like a bigger bathroom than he actually is. I, yeah. I, I thought he was. Yeah, I thought he terrible actor. Terrible. Yeah, he really. Uh, well, he's not an I actor. Thought, <laughs> really she, overplayed yeah. the, um, the naive kind of. He was like oh, a cartoon he character. Oh, he's like a fucking um, clown. Yeah, I was I, not into yeah. him. I thought he was a weird choice. Um, I also thought the guy who played Vince Neal was so lackluster. Like, I forgot he was there sometimes. He was a snooze fest. <laughs> Again, I'm like, you know, I just yeah, felt I could like see that. their feelings yeah. for him were showing through in this movie big time. Right. He was not definitely not one of the bigger personalities no. in this movie. No, at he's all. your fucking no. lead singer, but whatever. Yeah. Whatever. All right. Well, that was a great discussion. What do you guys think? 
I think I don't ever want to see this movie again. <laughs> yeah, I think it's time to move. <laughs> I am past done this talking story. about. Yeah. It. <laughs> I th- okay. I think we're that pretty much puts a bow on our Motley Crew episodes. So, if all the listeners enjoyed it. I hope you did. Um, please join us next week where we'll be doing um, another one. And I'm going to keep that one a surprise. You'll find out on our MRW Monday what we're going to be doing. Uh, but until that time, is there anything you guys want to talk about you've been listening to? Perhaps, I think, Matt, there might be something you want to mention. I know we talked about it. There are two things uh, I want to mention, actually. A little earlier. Yes. Off-air, I discussed this real quick. But real time here, we were just followed on Instagram by another podcast called The Weird Alphabet Podcast. And it is a podcast hosted by four people who discuss... Every Weird Al song in alphabetical order. Oh my god! <laughs> and I've seen I've seen this with Metallica. There's there's a podcast out there called Alpha Metallica that takes every yes. every Metallica song in alphabetical order. Um, but the fact that these guys followed us and I, I reciprocated the follow because I think that is just fantastic, and I will definitely be giving them a listen because way back in the day we did a Weird Al episode, um, which was one of the certainly one of the funniest episodes we've ever done yes so i wanted to give them a shout out and second thing i want to drop here perhaps a little bit of a teaser because this was discussed off air on pretty good for a girl podcast uh pretty good for a guy episode that we did (laughs) um i am a big proponent of wrestling podcasts as i've said many times in the past um and you know with me and chris being on the same show we try to, for Ed's sake, not dive down into that that <laughs> hole of wrestling talking. But um, there has been discussions in the Whiskey Obsessor household about doing a wrestling podcast. Ooh. So I'm just going to drop that there. Okay. I'm just going to let that simmer with any of our wrestling fans out there. That's interesting. Because the girls yeah. and I had a discussion about... Something related to that, so yeah, we'll, we'll see. Uh-huh. What? Oh, don't worry about it. Nothing for you to worry your pretty head about. We're right going now. to discuss this off air. <laughs> no, we're not. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's really funny when you break into our studio and take over our show, don't you? <laughs> so how about you, Sailor? <laughs> our our bedrit, poor bedridden Sailor there. Have you uh, spent your time... Uh, on anything else besides work for our podcast? Well, some of you listeners might know I have been um, confined to my chamber for a few weeks. I had surgery recently. And thank you all so much for the well wishes. I am podcasting from my bed as we speak, um, which has been interesting. Actually, pretty comfortable, I gotta say. Yeah. Um, I have been listening to, um, still, to D. Snyder's podcast. <clears throat> D. Snyder, D. Snyder, if you're listening, we still want you on the show. Um, I want to talk, and um, I, I love hearing him talk, and um, I love the subjects that he picks. So I've been um, going down the rabbit hole on, on all of his back episodes recently, and um, 
he's been liking my stuff on Twitter again and retweeting me. <laughs> so we're you friends. Got a fan. So we're friends now, fan. you know. <laughs> we're gonna go shopping for other jackets together. <laughs> Come on our show. Please. Yes, we would love to have you talk on our show. <laughs> if you want to talk, you got a spot right here, man. Hell yeah. Um, so we've got some really cool guests coming up on the Pretty Good for a Girl podcast. I can't wait um, for you guys to hear a show we have coming up in a couple of weeks with a very, very special guest, a woman who is moving mountains. I'm I think so I may have caught wind of that one. I'm pretty have. interested to hear in that one, yes, too. Yes, as am I. And I think we've got another show dropping this Friday, right? Yes, we do. As a matter of fact, there is another um, a regularly scheduled Pretty Good for a Girl episode that will be coming out. Um, as, as of now, it will have been last Friday. Oh, that's right. <laughs> then there'll be another one coming out next Friday. That's how that works. <laughs> so it'll actually be next Friday the show that I'm talking about the surprise the surprise guest so tune in sure. for that we'll go with that alright let's get the fuck out of here Matt let's get out of here So to all of our listeners, our fellow metal rock and whiskey obsessors, we value your opinions and your feedback. Find us on Instagram at Metal Rock Whiskey. Send us your love, your likes, and please share your thoughts, reviews, questions, suggestions, concerns, and comments about the show. Unless you're in a Red Hot Chili Peppers fan club. You can also follow us individually on Instagram. Yours truly at the Whiskey Obsessor. That is Whiskey Save the E. Ed. As always, they can find me on Instagram at Bourbon Geek. Sailor, where can they find you besides in your bed? Besides in my bed, that sounds kind of naughty. Uh, you can find me <laughs> all, of, all over the internet at Sailor Retro on Twitter, on Instagram, and Facebook. Also, I just want to talk a little bit about our Patreon. We appreciate you listening to the show and we appreciate your support. And we could use just a little more support as well. And in return, you will get some fabulous goodies. You can now go to our Patreon page, um, which is Patreon slash Metal Rock Whiskey Pod, and um, find us on there. Uh, we will also be putting up a PayPal link where it'll be kind of like a tip jar. You can throw us a few bucks every now and then, and we will send you special goodies. We've got stickers and buttons and t-shirts and glasses and all kinds of really cool stuff coming out. And we also have a book coming out this summer. So I think we're going to do something like the first, uh, I don't know, first 20 Patreons. We'll get a copy for free. That's right. Sounds like a a good number. So be our Patreon. Give us your support. We bring you this show with zero advertising so that you don't have to listen to advertisements. There you go. Commercial free? Yep. All right. This was a heck of a lot of fun, guys. And I hope you all enjoyed it as much as we did. But um, now, unfortunately, my glass is once again empty. And it is time to go. Be sure to tip your waiter. 
and we are out. Fuck you, Netflix. Bye. Later, everyone. I love you more than my girl. Not like you.